Well, look around. I invite you to do that every once in a while. I know you didn't come to church today because of these other folks, but it would be awkward if you were here by yourself, wouldn't it? Just me and you, unless you're my wife and kids, right? That'd be a little bit unusual. So look around. As you look around, there are other people here gathered for the same reasons. Um, Some of you are friends with each other. In fact, some of you are here because you had a friend or a family who is friendly and say, hey, come, why why don't you come back or come over and uh, check it out. Some of you didn't know anyone when you first came, right? And when you came, you found someone else who was welcoming and friendly. And, and some of you are, are in a kind of a third camp. You've come, and you haven't made a lot of friends yet, but you can look around and say, well, these are generally pretty nice people, and uh, they might be friendly to me in the future. They might actually be some friends in the future. Uh, maybe it'll turn into cheers, and it's like, hey, where everyone knows your name, Norm, you know, all that, right? Well, we're here because in many ways, God brings us together to be friends, right? Uh, Not just fellow Christians who go to whatever church, but actual connected friends. So, uh, so welcome, friends, right? Do you know that our Lord Jesus calls us friends? Did you catch that? Our Lord, Creator, calls us friends. Wow, that's kind of humbling, right? We'll talk a little bit about more that in a little bit, but uh, that's kind of a humbling thing. So a question for you before we uh, keep going. What, why are friends good? Why are friends good to have? I'm not going to answer this one. You have to help me out. Support, do stuff. Right? Anything else? Encouragement. Yeah, some of our friends believe in Jesus, and that really encourages us. Yeah, friends are good for all those reasons. You know, we need people to do things with. We're not lone rangers. Uh, We need others, most of us. Some of us are super, super introverts, and we're fine uh, by ourselves. But even so, we still need others. So uh, I had a question for the youth this last week. What makes a good friend? Like, we know that we need friends, right? Well, what makes a good friend good? Help us out. What do you got? What makes a good friend an actual good friend and not someone you don't want to be with? Trustworthy. Trustworthy. Yeah. Reliable. Reliable. Yeah. Loyal. Common sense. Or uh, sane, as the youth would say. You want friends who are actually sane. Isn't that a good qualification? (laughs) Anything else? What else makes a good friend good? Come on, there's got to be more than that. The youth came up with like 20, so help us out now. What? Yeah, isn't that important? They actually listen to you. They don't just ramble on. They keep you in check. check. You're going off the deep end here. You know, you're overreacting. Uh, You need a little love, right? Like on Elf, I didn't think about this, but uh, when Buddy goes up to the raccoon and he's like, does somebody need a hug, right? Uh, Sometimes we just need a hug, right? So all those reasons, uh, friends are good for those reasons. You know, friendship is not something that the world has invented, but we know it's a good thing because we, when we experience it, we know it, right? It's hard to explain it. And actually, this sermon was hard for me because it's more like, let's just live this rather than talk about it. But sometimes right now we're, we're slowing down and talking about friendships. Uh, so friendship is God's invention, just like marriage is God's invention. Um, friendships are God's inventions. So I'm going to show you that. We have five or six 
I don't know if they're volunteers or voluntolds, but uh, we have a few scriptures that we're going to read to show how this really is God's idea. So you can put these in your notes if you want in your bulletin to look later. First one is, is from Jesus, Luke chapter 10. Not sure. Oh, Katie's got that. So the, the thing I like there is the two by two. He didn't send them out by themselves. Although we in our jobs, we often go out by ourselves. Jesus gave them a friend. I think that's important. So that's Luke. Uh, that's what Jesus tells us in Luke. The next one is from King Solomon, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Who's got that one? Dave? Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. Yeah, it's this importance of having another with you. Uh, I've been building a greenhouse lately, and I promised my kids I wouldn't overwork them. And so there's certain jobs I was doing by myself, which would have been nice to have a second person. And I did get a second people a whole bunch of times. But isn't it, isn't it true that when you have one other person, the, the jobs go faster, uh, life is better. When you fall, as Melissa said, you have someone else to keep you in check and help you out. That's King Solomon. A, a great story to read is Ruth. Uh, so one... One uh, quote from this girl, Ruth, wrote Ruth 116. Not sure who has that one. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Now, in all fairness, Ruth is talking to her mother in law, so it's really a family connection. But I think this applies to friends. Hey, where you are, I'm going to be. I'm going to spend time with you. Uh, so uh, one of you said, yeah, a friend is someone who you spend time with. And we'll look at that in a little bit. The next one, sometimes our friends get in trouble. As Melissa said, you've got to keep them in check. But sometimes they just go astray. And so one story from that is, is Abram and his, not friend, but we'll call him a friend, Lot. Uh, Lot got in trouble and was way out. And so... Um, Abram took matters into his own hands as a good, good friend. So this is Genesis 14, 14. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he went forth with strange men, born into his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as they went. So that's not Dan Carroll's husband. <laughs> Dan is a city way north. So here's the story. Lot got, gets in trouble. And so Abram takes all his resources, in fact, like, it would be like his corporation, and he takes them north. Let's go get them. Not going to let anything stop me from me and my friends. So sometimes your friends do a lot to help you out. And then the last one uh, is from Proverbs chapter 11, 11, 13. I'm not sure who has that one. All right, Trenton. So someone did say that a friend is trustworthy. You tell a friend something as, as they're listening or as, as they listen to you, and they keep it, right? It's confidential. It's between me and them. I'm on their side. I'm not going to go telling everyone about this. I love you, and I'm going to keep it to myself. And that's that Proverbs 11:13. So friends are good. Friends are God's idea. And I'll even say this. To be a Christian, it's essential in some way to have Christian friends. It's essential. 
You cannot live as a Lone Ranger Christian, or I should say, you won't live very well as a Lone Ranger Christian. We know sometimes we are sort of alone as Christians, and it's hard. It's really, really hard to be a Lone Ranger Christian. Now, we do have different types of friends. Sometimes you might think of like, oh, I have regular friends. They're the ones I talk about the Bills draft or the um, or soccer or uh, work, just kind of common sense stuff, weather, kind of regular friends. And then I have Christian friends, and this isn't to say that those can't overlap, right? Your regular friends probably will become your Christian friends. Your Christian friends can be your regular friends. But sometimes there's something different about having Christian friends than just sort of non-Christian friends. And then it's, it's this. So what's, what makes a good Christian friend? Okay. Well, we'll, get, we'll, I'm gonna, we'll talk about it, but yeah. In the middle there is that word Christ, right? So uh, it's letting Christ be a part of your friendship. When, um, when we moved to the seminary, the Zeck family, we moved from Pennsylvania to St. Louis. We brought eight of us, but actually we brought another friend with us. Uh, his name was Uxagai, and he was Luke's uh, invisible friend. Luke, oh, cousin. Uh, well, we'll call him a friend, too. Luke's invisible, our invisible cousin that Luke knew very well. And Luke would tell us about Uxagai as his invisible friend, I'll say. And uh, we all would, wanted to learn about Uxagai and uh, was very supportive of his friendship with Uxagai, right? Um, and it was fun. Now, Luke had an experience with Uxagai that we didn't have. Uh, and that's sort of how it is as a Christian. We have, can we say, an invisible friend. Isn't this the weirdest thing in the world? We have an invisible friend. His name is Jesus. Now, is he really invisible? No, he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Right now, we can't see him. Dave and Ken, after church, are going to have that brief discussion about how we know he's actually real and alive. Uh, but he, he's not just an invisible friend, but Christian friends actually talk about this invisible friend, this Lord who they can't see with their eyes. So, all right, remember last week um, we talked about this 5G life? Uh, 5G is all about communication and connections, instantaneous, right? And it doesn't yet, ha- yet happen, but it's what God calls us to. And it's gather, group, grow, give, and go. This is kind of how, what Christ calls us to, this life, this 5G life. Last week we talked about gathering for grace. And that flows into this next thing, which we're talking about now, which is grouping with Christian friends. And if you have a chance to, there's some of these out at the table, you can put these on your fridge or whatever. Uh, Everything is really intentional, especially the first verse. So our vision is that we're called by Christ. And we are right now the confessing church. And we have a verse that goes along with that. And this is a really, really important one for us all to know. And Kurt's going to read this one. Thank you, Kurt. So there's a lot there. I just encourage you to read it over when you have time. Uh, Hold on to the the hope you have and share it with each other. That's kind of what it says. Um, Gather together. So I want to share with you one thing about, remember last week we talked about how we gather for grace. Certain things happen when we gather for grace. Grace. Jesus shows up, says, peace to you. He says, 
that we are forgiven. He gives us His body and His blood at the altar. Uh, he gives us His Holy Spirit. He speaks these good things to us. That's what happens when we gather for grace. That doesn't happen anywhere else. It doesn't happen at, uh, anywhere else except for He decides to do that here. And He also does things like that when we gather uh, in smaller groups. So let me read something from Martin Luther. I don't often do this, but this is Martin Luther. Uh, it's something that he prepared for a discussion, uh, and it's this. He says this, The gospel gives guidance and help against sin in more than one way, because God is extravagantly rich in grace. So think about this. If you have a friend or someone that you know who is extravagantly rich, let's say filthy rich, do you like that person? They're filthy rich. They're so stinking rich, it's crazy, right? Do you like that person? <laughs> Not enough information. Exactly, you need more information. Well, what if that person is nice and generous and has lots of ways that you can get what they have? Sound good? Right. Now, of course, we're not just talking about money. We're talking about God and His grace. God is extravagantly rich in grace. And He's got lots of ways for us to receive His grace. So Luther goes on and says, and he lists five ways that we get His grace. Stick with me here. It's important. Here's the first one. Number one, through the spoken word, right, which is in which the forgiveness of sins is preached to the world. That's why at Bill's game, there's always that person holding up, what's that thing in the end zone? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that whoever believes has eternal life, right? That's this proclamation. That's the first way that God sends His grace out to the world. Number two, through baptism. I belong to Jesus. And all that happens there. The, number three, He says, through the holy sacrament of the altar, He gives us forgiveness. We talked about this last week. Number four, through the power of the keys. That's the called, uh, ordained servant of Christ announcing to you God's forgiveness. Those are the four ways he brings his grace. But there's another one that Luther says. Stick with me on this one. It's, it sounds complicated, but it's the most beautiful thing you can imagine. Are you ready? Here it is. Lastly, God gives his grace through the mutual conversation and consolation of brothers and sisters. Or literally, of friends. So the mutual conversation and consolation of friends. Mutual sounds like it's a two-way street, right? You share with me, I share with you. It's mutual. And what are we sharing? Number one, conversation. We talk about our invisible friend. Number two, consolation. We encourage one another, as Kurt said, all the more as we see the day approaching. Let's take a quick look at this, just so you don't think I'm making this up. But one example of this, would you turn uh, to your uh, gospel reading, John 21? We're not going to look at all of this. But two little pictures here of the conversation and the consolation of friends. All right. As you look at verse 1 and verse 14, you'll see kind of the same thing. Verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples. In verse 14, this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This text is about Jesus showing himself to us, which is what happens when friends talk about their ultimate friend, right? All right, so it goes on in verse 3. It says, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. And we'll see here, this doesn't sound very complicated, like they're going fishing. Big deal. But here's the thing. Uh, kind of like the Jesus in the Chosen movie, this is not scripture. This is just 
Hollywood, made up. But the Jesus in that series says this. He says, if you don't make time for friends, you won't have any. That makes sense, right? If you don't make time for your Christian friends, you won't have any. And so here, Peter and six of his friends make time for one another. They're doing something they like. Peter likes fishing. His buddies like fishing. So that's what they're doing. They're going fishing. And it's, it's fun. It's comfortable. It's what they know. It doesn't go well, though. So they fish all night. And like some of us would be super disappointed, our fishermen here, if you fished all night and caught nothing, how would you feel? You'd come home to your wife and have a fish story, right? You'd want your wife, hope she's making something for you, some corn muffins or something, because there's no fish all right, that you're bringing home. That's how they are. No fish, right? All night long. Then I love verse 5. Uh, Jesus is on the shore. They don't recognize him. He says to them, Children, do you have any fish? And it sounds like he's treating them as, as uh, you know, less than they are. It's really something like this in Irish. And I'm not Irish, so I forgive me. It's something like this. Laddies, got any fish? And they say, no, nothing. And so he's like, well, cast on the side. And, and then we know the story. There's more than they can haul in. There's more than they can haul in. Jesus reveals himself to, to them as they're spending time together. Then take a look. Verse 7. That disciple whom Jesus loved, that's code for John who's writing this, that disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. That is the consolation of the friends. When friends can look at each other in whatever situation they're in and say, it is the Lord. I remember one time when I was diagnosed with cancer and I got a card in the mail from uh, Beth and Floyd is their names. And it, it's just a nice handwritten note. And it quoted from Exodus 15. It says, uh, I'm the Lord, your healer. And so I, heard, I received that. That was consolation to me for them saying, it is the Lord, your healer. And we all have different situations we're in. The consolation that God gives us for one another is to say, it is the Lord who knows all about your cousin. It is the Lord who knows about your grandma. It is the Lord who knows about the darkness in your heart. Whatever it is, whatever situation we find ourselves in, the encouragement from one another is to say, it is the Lord. And we could all kind of brainstorm a minute. Have you ever experienced a Christian friend who heard where you were and said to you, well, the Lord is with you, even though your body is failing, or... The Lord is with you, even though your finances are going down the tank. The Lord is the one who will provide for you. We could probably all think of something, many things, hopefully. Well, that's the, the conversation and the consolation of friends, is being able to speak to one another in our situations. It's the Lord who dot, dot, dot. Amen? Yeah. And I just want to say... I join all of you, I don't just say this to you, I say this to me, is that probably God wants us to, in some ways, turn or repent, because in some ways, we haven't been open to having Christian friends, opening up our hearts to them. We haven't been open to hearing from other people and then speaking to them a comforting word. Sometimes it's easier to just hole up and be by ourselves and not make time for others. Maybe that applies, I don't know. But I think Christ does call us, not just like another commandment, but a beautiful life. A life 
where we give and receive this love. So, um, and I'll end kind of with this. How many broken windows does it take for a thief to get in? That's right, one, right? Or a broken down door. It only takes one. And all of us have that broken window. If you look at the, the, wind, the, the house of your heart, somewhere there's a crack, right? Somewhere there's a, a broken down window, a big old hole. And so Christian friends are able to say to you, hey, how are you doing with that uh, commandment number five, the sexual sin? How are you doing with commandment eight, gossiping? How are you doing with commandment ten and coveting? Whatever it is, and then have that conversation, and then this is what I like, I've, I've experienced this. When you're all done, say, which one of those did you lie to me about? Right? God calls us to open our lives to each other, which is not an easy thing. But because of these waters right here, we are safe in Jesus. He's given us one another as Christian friends. And so there's an amazing, beautiful possibilities that await us if we walk with him in this journey. He calls us friends. Thanks be to God. And thanks be to God that he is the friend of sinners. Right? That's all of us. He's humbled himself and given his life for us to give us a new life. Thanks be to God. So take it as you will. Be the best Christian friend. Receive Christian friends. And walk in this 5G, uh, which is, in this case, God grouping us with Christian friends. So, so be open to the Christian friends that God wants to give you. In Jesus' name, amen. Having heard the word